This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Ops and Audibles podcast, emergency edition. Jared Mack is on the show. I'm Matt Preem. Uh, we should note Eric wants to be on the show, but he's dealing with a, a health issue and just cannot be in front of a computer screen right now. So hopefully he gets back soon. Uh, but big news on the Oregon front, uh, a phrase that I don't think I ever was going to say probably in the time that I've covered Oregon football, but uh, an Oregon head football coach is saying no to Alabama for their head coaching position. Dan Lanning came out uh, less than 24 hours after Nick Saban announced his retirement and said, thanks, but no thanks. He's staying in Eugene um, and released a video that quite frankly is about as uh Clear as it could be that he's he's here, Jared, for the long haul. Uh, if you're afraid your coach is leaving, come play for us. Um, very strong statement from Oregon, from Dan Lanning. And yet again, for like the fourth time now, he's had to come out and make it very clear he is not going anywhere as long as he has a say in it. Yeah, and now he's made it. Um, abundantly clear. I don't know how much more clear he can make it at this point that he's determined to stay at Oregon. Um, I mean, there's the, the fact that he's turning down Alabama says a lot. You know, I think we've always, whenever we've talked about these coaching rumors with Dan, so the the Auburn one and the Texas A&M one this season, we've always kind of said like neither of those jobs are those, you know, hypothetical dream situations that head coaches, you know, kind of search for. Um, this Bama one is is up there in terms of what a dream job would look like for really any college football coach. And obviously it's very tough to to you know come behind uh, Nick Saban and try to you know recreate what he did at Alabama, but that's still an opportunity that's still like the most coveted job in the country or it's up there. It's like a top three or top five job. Um, and so for Dan to, to say no, assuming that he was offered, which I, I would assume so. Um, is it speaks volumes to his commitment at Oregon. Uh, I think it was really incredible that he turned his uh, video into a recruitment video um, saying that he's right. Not, yeah. It's like, Oh, you're afraid of your coach leaving. Guess what? I'm not come play for us. I thought that was genuinely kind of funny. Um, but 
it certainly has calmed the nerves of Oregon fans in, in weeks or years, I guess, past when Dan has come out and said something about this. And this does it again because Oregon fans for you know their last couple of coaches have been put through the cycle of, duh, no, I'm staying here. Like, why wouldn't I be here? Stuff like that. And to see their coach go to their to their dream jobs with uh, Taggart going to Florida State at his dream job and Mario going to Miami as his dream job. And, you know, Dan doesn't have an easy connection dream job. He went to William Jewell College, so it's not like that's his dream job. But, you know, he, doesn't, he didn't go to Miami. He didn't go to uh, Texas or Texas A&M, something like that. So it's not clear what his dream job is, but this one was pretty close to what I think we all would consider it to be up there in his dream job category, and he turned it down. So got to feel good if you're Oregon, if you're Rob Mullins, if you're Phil Knight, just about the future of the trajectory of the program. If if he says no to Alabama, there really isn't any other job that opens up that you're like, you should be scared of. Um, Probably, yeah. Like uh, the only way now it becomes an issue is if if Oregon for some reason falls behind in providing the resources or providing uh, the commitment to recruit nationally or providing to uh, failing to provide the coaching salaries or facilities or so- something of that nature where Oregon doesn't continue to uh, invest itself into being a national player in college football, which would be ultimately a massive shock to everyone in the industry, everyone in the, in that, that follows the sport that Oregon all of a sudden decides, ah, we don't want to be competitive. We're, we're, we're good with being mediocre. That feels like really now the only reason why Dan would leave Oregon. And you talked about like, this is as close of a, of a dream job as it could get for any coach in the profession, Alabama, the history that comes with it. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote a story. I provided an update late, also late Wednesday night, like saying like, or Oregon's confident, but this is Alabama. But I, I guess at the, at the same time, it's like, we probably should, shouldn't be surprised by these decisions by Dan Lanning, because go back and look at his history. And you talked about it. Like he's come out every single time and he's laminated the, the fact that a, he loves it here. B he knows the, the program is set up, but maybe the most important thing is, is he's tired of moving. He talked about this uh, to the press conference you and I were at for the Fiesta Bowl on media day. Like what was his line about the I changing IDs or something? Like, I, I think he's, he's, he's yeah, made it abundantly the, clear. The like, he's tired stuff. of moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah he, and, I was just going to say, he, he, he credited his wife for doing all of that, but yeah. It still sucks. That that's been like one of his main focal points when in these coaching rumors, he's like, I I hate moving. My kids have moved a bunch of times. Um, and they they like it in Eugene and they they'd like to stay here, which is you know what they're doing. And I'm sure Oregon will make sure that he stays here. So like maybe we shouldn't be surprised by him saying no to Alabama because it would require another move. And quite frankly, Dan is king in Oregon and he could go nine and three, 10 and two, 11 and one, and then start the cycle all over again and the regular season and not really feel any kind of pressure at that job. 
he goes through that cycle at Alabama and the pressure is unbelievable. I mean, they, they, they go 12 and 0, but they mm-hmm. win every game by three and there's pressure of what's wrong with Alabama. Um, why put yourself through that? And and I think Dan, I think the, the rare thing here is, is from my perspective, look, we obviously we know Dan uh, we've been in, we've had interactions with Dan, but like we, we're not his friends. We're not, close confidants of, of, of Dan Lanning, but like, I feel like he's the first coach at Oregon, at least where, yes, he wants to win. Yes. He wants to be paid. Well, he wants to have the fancy facilities and all of that, but he's the first coach to also kind of like come out and say like, none of that, like that's all important, but that's not the ultimate driving factor for him. And we're seeing that play out where schools with more money with, Sometimes in this case, way more, way more tradition of winning uh, can't pull him away because it those aren't the only motivating factors for him. Yeah, and he's I, I don't know what it is. Obviously, you've covered the beat much longer than I have, and but I've I've covered the last end of Mario and um, a little bit in the in the middle when I was an intern. But I agree with you. Like, there's a different kind of sentiment that Dan has shared throughout. Um, all of his press conferences throughout his social media channels. I know that social media is not a good indicator of how a person actually lives, but, you know, like compared to what other coaches at Oregon have posted in the past, it seems that Dan is um, more active in the community, more, you know, willing to share some personal bits of information and make some jokes. I mean, for he seems like an actual human being at points, like, uh, today on Twitter and the video, just kind of you know bashing some skulls with that, and then Oregon football like the account tweeting his location and a selfie of Dan in his kitchen. I thought that was funny, um, or the fact that he shared with Matt Zenitz of Twenty Four Seven Sports, who originally broke the news that he was watching Jason Bourne, um, and when all of these rumors started to swirl. So I think it's it what you're saying is exactly true, Matt. It's it's that he's I don't know how else to describe it other than that he seems like more of a uh, like non-robotic individual and i'm not saying mario cristobal was a robot but at times it was he robotic was. and it was like a check-in check out and i'm going to sleep at the office all day and um do all of these really good things that has honestly helped oregon get to the position where they are now um people don't want to admit that but i think he's certainly helped along the way and dan has taken it to another level and he's going to be staying here for the future i don't know if oregon is promised him an, an, another extension even after signing one in July or an up in salary over the next couple of seasons, which both of those things wouldn't make sense if they happen. But um, he's he's here to stay. And uh, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the family aspect and the moving. And the, like you said, at the, at the Fiesta Bowl, like dealing with new licenses, every state that they go to or the DMV and stuff like that, where if he can sit here and be here for the next six to eight to 10 years, something like that, and just, you know, renew your license registration, do your uh, new IDs, get those by 2025 in May and be just just fine sitting here and, uh, you know, having the same ID every every year. Uh, the ramification you, you touched on at the very beginning, how he turned that video basically into a recruiting pitch. Like mm-hmm. that's probably the next biggest the obvious fallout as well status quo for Oregon. The next thing is, is Dan now can go out on the recruiting trail. And when a school tries to negative recruit 
oh well your coach is going to leave that place is it's you know more than likely that coach that you're committing to is is not going to be there for your four years look at the track history right like dan can literally now go and say i turned down alabama like mm-hmm. who, who do you want to believe here i'm i'm here for the long haul um that's going to be absolutely massive from a recruiting perspective and just i think also just a sign of how far Oregon has come in the last 30 years that its head coach now is saying no to Alabama. Certainly. Yeah. It's uh, one of the powerhouses of college football. I don't know if you can't really call it a blue blood because it hasn't been around in terms of competitive levels as long as other schools have been, which I think is what the definition of blue blood is. But Last 20, 20, 30 years, like you mentioned, um, it's certainly been up there. There's been some ups and downs, but a lot more ups than downs. And Dan in his two years is uh, 22 and five, which is pretty darn good. And this season, his only two losses were to the eventual national champion runner up in Washington, who had probably their second best season in program history. And Oregon had, you know, a top six season because there's only been six, six teams to get to 12 wins. Um, I think it speaks incredible volumes to what Oregon can do in the future uh, with Dan. You know, as long as everything stays in the same trajectory line, obviously it's just year two, so we never know what's going to happen. We can't look into the future, at least I can't. I don't know about you, Matt, but um, maybe with Eric and concussion protocol, he can look into the future. But <laughs> as of right now, none of us can do that. And but it seems that this is a, a, a worthwhile investment. You know, I expect Dan's name to continue to pop up in some of these coaching searches because he's 37. He's going to turn 38. He's, t- again, 22 and five in his first two seasons as a Power Five head coach at Oregon. Um, he had one of the best teams in the country this year. They finished number six in the AP poll. Like, this is somebody who's very attractive as a head coaching candidate. So his name is going to continue to pop up. But this was the biggest scare. And unless Kirby Smart goes to Alabama and Georgia comes calling for Dan Lanning, that would be the second biggest scare. But this was it. And he can go into any recruit's living room and say, I'm here. I know that the contract is only until 2030, but we're going to work on one as soon as that one ends. I'm going to be here for X number of years after. I turned down Bama. Probably would have turned down Texas A&M. Just completely turned down Auburn. Like, I'm staying in Oregon. This is where my kids are going to be is where my family is going to be. Like you can trust me in saying that he'll be here over the the length of this call of this high school recruits four years or three years at Oregon. So like you said, that's huge in the recruiting game. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what the next level of recruiting is, but I think we're going to, we're going to find out in the next couple of seasons. That's for sure. Um, real quick. We probably should touch on some of the decisions of guys to return. Um, we haven't addressed that on the podcast yet. We've been waiting for Eric to get back, but uh, this is too too big of news to to not record one. So while we're doing it, Jared, let's real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Cornelius has said he's coming back. Terrence Ferguson has said he is coming back. Uh, Jordan Birch has said he's coming back. Jeffrey Bassa, Tyson Johnson. Tez Johnson, um, other guys like Treshawn Holden has uh, has said he's coming back to school. Noah Whittington has said uh, he's coming back to school. Um, basically, everyone that like we kind of identified 
following the big group of guys that were Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving, uh, and Jackson Powers Johnson. Um, those all three of those guys are are clear cut NFL dudes. Everyone else mm-hmm. was kind of. I think Birch was probably a, a clear cut NFL guy. Ferguson yeah. probably was too. Um, but everyone else was kind of like, maybe they go, but there's also probably a good chance they come back. But every one of them like has announced that they're coming back to school. Um, I, I think that's a testament to the culture of the program. I think that's a testament to Oregon's NIL uh, department, which probably played a huge factor in, in Dan Lanning staying here and going to Alabama because you hear about Alabama's mm-hmm. issues with NIL. Um, and it speaks to just maybe the potential that Oregon has. I mean, obviously, losing Dan Lanning, a lot of this probably would fall apart. But uh, Lanning coming back and you factor, you know, staying, and then you you factor in these other guys choosing to, to return. You look across the board. Oregon's going to be a top five, top ten at worst team in college football next season. Yeah, I mean, I did all the preseason polls or the way too early top 25s. Um, Oregon was a consensus top 10 team in the country in all these, like Yahoo and 24-7, ESPN. Uh, a couple of them were top five. A couple of them were top three at number three and the best team in the Big Ten. Um, all of these returners, like you were mentioning, Matt, are day one impact guys and across both sides of the ball. You know, Taishim Johnson led the teams in snaps on defense. Uh Terrence Ferguson had one of the best tight end seasons in Oregon history and was probably a surefire draft pick if if he went through all the combine testing and everything like that. You know, Jordan Birch returns at a position of need on the edge where uh, you saw in the Pac-12 championship game when he went down that that position is um, a little weak or, well, they were true freshmen. So, you know, they needed more development. They needed more time. Uh, Birch buys that time for them to become sophomores and not have to worry about um, an increased workload. Like, Again, like the the Franklins, the Buckies, the JPJs, those are guys that we expected to leave because those were, depending on JPJ, like all of those guys should be, you know, day one, day two picks. And um, how they all perform will at the combine will determine that. But you expect those guys to go. When you can go six for six, basically, on returning guys and get, you know, a Johnny Cornelius as your right tackle and set up Dylan Gabriel with Josh Connerly with the left side and, Cornelius at the right side um, to set everything up and give him an experienced offensive line. Like that's why Oregon is so highly regarded in some of these polls. Um, You return a really strong offensive line, a good receiving core. They're still in the hunt for Evan Stewart, a five-star transfer from uh, Texas A&M. You have all of these players coming back on defense. Justin Jacobs was another guy who announced that he was coming back. I don't know how much of a decision that was, but there's your starting linebacker group. You know, Jeffrey Bossa was, I think, an all all Pac-12 second teamer this year. Um, you know, Jacobs was hurt for the majority of the season, but turned out strong in the last couple of games of the year. You have a lot of depth now, and you you have this incredible freshman class that's coming in. That's great. It's wonderful for development further down the line, but now you don't have to rely on them. You know, you can develop them. You can get them in there. You can get them in-game experience and see what their talents truly are. But you do not have to say, hey, Aiden Reeland, hey, Jericho Johnson, whatever your name is, we need you to step up and be like a real contributor on day one because we lost blank, blank, and blank to the transfer portal, to the draft, whatever the case may be. You can let them sit, develop, learn, 
uh, the defense, learn how to learn from their position groups, all of these things. So returning these guys is huge. It certainly puts Oregon in a very strong position to start and go into their inaugural Big Ten season. Um, I'm excited to see how these guys develop, too, because a lot of them were like Birch and Tysheem Johnson and Cordelius were first time Oregon Ducks. You know, now they have a whole nother offseason to get in the weight room and learn the culture, learn the fit, learn the defense, learn the offense, whatever the case may be. So um, huge impact returners. Uh, glad we got the glad we got to talk about it on the podcast. Um, we'll save some more diving into the 2024 offseason, the future projections for Monday when Eric hopefully gets back. It's Thursday. Uh, there's a lot to go on for this football program. Uh, Dan Landing is staying yet again. Uh, recruits are coming in. Transfer portal is hot. We'll cover it all on DuckTerritory.com. Um, until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Peace.